the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Rescuers, the show about people who change and save lives. Now, here's your host, Art Brooks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Rescuers radio show heard every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, faithtalk1360.com. And please go to our our website, rescuersradioshow.org, where you can hear all the shows on podcast once they air on the radio station. And also there's a purple listener uh, button. If someone, uh, this is a a listener uh, guided ministry. And if someone wants to donate, uh, they certainly can. And that'll walk you through that. So my guest right now is uh, a great guy. I've been uh, heard about for a long time, and I'm glad I get to, to meet him here on the program today. Ken Pretty founder and executive of the um, Go Center and president of the Ken Pretty Group. So, Ken, hello. Hello there. How are you? Good. And um, so, Ken, before we begin uh, telling about everything that you're doing with your with um, Go Center and the Ken Pretty Group, uh, let's go back and hear your backstory. How did you get to this point of your life right now? Well, um, I mean, going way back, I was a professional musician as a young person and uh, pursuing that avenue of, you know, the singer songwriter kind of thing. Cool. Um, and uh, well, one of the ways I describe this uh, is uh, Jesus ruined my career. <laughs> and uh and along you know, once, came Jesus. Yeah, you know, once I got really serious about my faith, um the path I was on just was not let's just call it less than edifying. Um and so but I you know the shift initially was uh into music ministry. Uh so I got involved with church planting and my role in that was uh in the music and the arts. But uh, in the world of church planting, uh, you sort of have to be involved in lots of different uh, things. So there's the job description that you have, and then there's the thousand and one other things that need doing. Uh, And, uh, you know, as my involvement expanded beyond music and the arts, I started thinking more seriously about uh, getting some seminary training and you know, being involved in, in church ministry for a lifetime. Yeah. Uh, and that, you know, that led to other pursuits. So eventually uh, I went to seminary, helped plant yet another church while I was in seminary. And coming out of seminary, my plan was to be a church planter. 
but as is so often the case, seems that God had other plans. <laughs> and uh, Isn't that always happens. Yeah, you know, God's plans tended to trump mine. If you want, if you want God to laugh, just tell him about our plan, right? Exactly. You know, <laughs> so uh, I was recruited into uh, a situation uh, where a church had, uh, an 87-year-old church had declined down to 13 people. Oh, boy. And uh, the idea, sort of a theory, was, hey, what would happen if we put a church planter in here with the remnant of this uh, uh, severely declined church and just kind of start all over as if it's a church plant? And so uh, God was certainly uh, in that, and the call was obvious, so the family picked up and moved yet again. And, uh, you know, we lived through that experience of leading a church through revitalization, which utilized all the things I knew as a planter, but there were other elements, you know, you had 87 years of history to deal with. Uh, and you know, you had a negative, uh, uh, trajectory that the church was on. Well, to make, um, a really long story, somewhat shorter, uh, it went well and folks started asking, how do you do that? Well, that question became the, the basis of, of what has emerged as 22 years now of training people in how to revitalize churches. And so uh, I've been full time as a trainer consultant um, over the last 22 years. And just recently one application of uh, broad revitalization has been a new focus on uh, boomers in the church reaching baby boomers in the community. I be one. <laughs> yep. No, so so am I. So uh, that's one of those things that I did not see coming. It was yeah. it was really surprising the way it developed, but it has developed. So um, you know, at this point at the Ghost Center, we're focused on yeah, tell three us more prime. About that. Yeah. Well, the Ghost Center is simply. Uh, uh, you know, the point at which I became involved with uh, one particular denomination, um, you know, we couldn't call this ministry uh, the Ken Pretty Group anymore. Uh, we needed a more generic name that could uh, outlive me. And so we settled on the Go Center, which is short for the Go and Make Disciples Center. Uh, everything that we do is wrapped around the Great Commission. So uh, that has become, uh, you know, the the headquarters of this particular ministry. And uh, I was always reading about that, uh, the Great Commission alignment. Yes. Uh, You're probably about to explain the five training tracks uh, that that build that, right? Well, I could certainly do that. I want to hear you about know, the boomer mobilization too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, uh, we can we can start with the alignment. Um, the alignment piece, uh, in terms of the the title that we use, uh, is called reboot now. Hmm. Uh, and to some degree, this is a little bit of an inside joke that I think I'm the only one that gets. Um, but I have fun with it. You know, my very first foray into training other people, uh, 
was through an organization called the Church Multiplication Training Center. And we provided a training event that was called Boot Camp for Church Planters. Hmm. Uh, so I sort of borrowed that uh, that origin. And uh, my thinking is this is sort of a reboot camp for church revitalizers. So the idea of reboot is to, you know, get back to basics, get back to simple uh, evangelism, discipleship, worship. Um, and the now element simply emphasizes that uh, we can't wait on this. Um, there's too big a need for the church to impact the community right now. Yeah. Uh, churches have a tendency to take a long time to make uh, decisions. Mm. And we just don't have a long time anymore. Things are changing way too fast. Well, and so, after the pandemic, it, some some churches are really scrambling to stay alive right now, right? Yes. Uh, you know, part of it is survival. Um, uh, but beyond survival, there is, of course, just the spread of the gospel. Yeah. Jesus continues to build his church. The harvest is still plentiful. Uh, and so the idea of reboot now is let's revitalize our churches and let's do it right now. Let's not wait till next year or next decade or next mm -hmm. whatever. Let's get it done right now. And that's much more important than the brick and mortar stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, every church has to deal with uh, administrative and structural and financial realities. Uh, but those are sidebar issues to the the more central issue of simply taking the gospel to lost people. So, uh, you know, that's the main thing for us is uh, uh, we typically start with churches with Reboot Now uh, and the five uh, alignment tracks. And, uh, you know, we've tried to make this uh, very plain and simple. Um so the, the the five tracks go like this. The first is the uh, aligning perception. The idea here is that we're aligning our perception of ourselves with reality. Uh, my experience has told me that church leaders have a tendency to think of their churches as being somewhat more healthy than they actually are. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, I mean, it's natural to do that. I laugh uh, because I know that happens. Well, it, yeah, it does happen. But part of it is because, you know, when you find a church on the backside of the life cycle uh, in long-term plateau or decline, uh, their image of themselves is often an image from a previous season in the church. Uh, maybe you could call it a prime time when things were more robust. Mm. So uh, they tend to I imagine that they're still that church, even though the elements that were present in that church are not present anymore. Mm -hmm. So the idea of aligning perception is let's make sure that we're looking in the mirror and seeing who we really are. Uh, part of that is just to be honest with ourselves. Yeah. But part of it, too, is to uh, realize the urgency of uh, embracing revitalization sooner rather than later. Yeah. Uh, and so the question that's driving that particular 
alignment track is, you know, where are we? Let's determine exactly where we are. Uh, that feeds into the second one, which is aligning vision. Now, something that I say all the time is that vision in the church is not about creativity. It's about discernment. Mm-hmm. So the idea of vision is to make sure that our vision for ourselves is in alignment with God's vision for us. Um, We're not trying to be unique or special or different. We're just trying to be faithful and discern uh, how God wants to express himself through our church in our community. So the idea here is where do we want to be? So, you know, we've looked at where are we with uh, perception. Now we're looking at, well, where do we want to be in terms of God's vision? Well, what typically happens now is that you've identified a gap. There's a gap between where we are and where we want to be, which feeds into track three, aligning strategy. So this uh, deals with the question, uh, so how, how do we get there? What will get us from where we are Mm -hmm. to where we want to be? And that gets into, of course, making the strategic decisions necessary to close that gap. Uh, that feeds us into aligning structure. Now, this gets back to your comment earlier, Art, about uh, brick and mortar. Yeah. Uh, structure is a word that we use to uh, include things like buildings and properties and grounds and uh, you know the physical elements of church and then you've got uh, financial aspects you've got policies and procedures you've got personnel you know all of the infrastructure of operating a church well very often uh, when a church is in plateau or decline those structural elements have started to dominate the time and energy and thinking of leadership. Mm -hmm. And we want to see leadership get back uh, more toward those things of vision and strategy. So the idea of aligning structure is uh, to answer the question, who will get us there? Absolutely. Okay. And it has to do with leadership. Yeah. I'm going to take just a moment here, uh, Ken, to remind our listeners, if you're late coming into the rescuer show, uh, my guest is Ken Purity, founder and executive director of the Go Center, and uh, which we're hearing about right now. So um, uh, this is really fascinating stuff, Ken. And I've got two two buzz things that I want to talk before it gets too late in the program. Okay. Uh, the boomer mobilization, and I think when you get to asking about people, aligning people, uh, you've got something that's very creative about boomer modalization. And then you recreated something called Leader Town. And I'd like to hear about both of those. Yeah, well, um, you know, I can I can tie that into the context of the five we tracks. We still have time, by the way. So. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, with, uh, with the lining structure, we're talking about uh, who's going to get us there. Well, leadership is going to get us there. Yeah. Obviously, the, the grace of God is going to do the heavy lifting. Uh, but we have a role to play. And leadership has the capacity to to do the things necessary to close the gap. 
Uh, and then the people element, aligning people has to do with who will keep us there. Uh, so here's the thing. Leadership has the capacity to lead a congregation to revitalization. But in order for the congregation to continue to be in sustained revitalization, uh, there has to be more than leadership involved. Mm. The, there's two other bodies of people. One would be the congregation that's part of the church during the revitalization. And the second body of people would be those people that we reach from the community as they're coming in. Uh, not only do we want them to find Christ through the gospel, but we want them to plug in and become part of who we are. Yes. So one of the elements, one of the elements of, of, uh, people these days, uh, has to do with baby boomers. Um, so here's what I've, what I've realized. Um, part of this came through a personal experience, uh, my wife's cousin, a man in his early 70s, was diagnosed with um, a malignant heart tumor. Mm. And this is a gentleman that had pretty much ignored faith and ignored God all of his life. But all of a sudden, he's facing a terminal illness. Mm. And uh, so he came to me and asked some really smart questions. And we had uh, several months to talk about uh, you know, matters of the soul. Well, at one point, uh, he was concerned about perhaps being too late. Like, it's too late for me to <laughs> yeah. come to Christ. Oh, my gosh. And uh, in the course that, of that conversation. That's so natural, though, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. it makes perfect sense. Yeah. But what that sparked was a, uh, uh, I, I guided him to Matthew 20, mm. parable of the workers in the vineyard. So, you know, we've got the early workers, the, the third hour, the sixth hour, the ninth hour, then the 11th hour worker, and everyone was paid the same. And uh, when I shared that with him, uh, I explained how, you know, even when you come into the faith in your 11th hour, uh, everything that everyone else is going to receive in Christ uh, is also yours. And that was the thing that sort of tipped the balance for him. Well, what I came to realize is that there are 70 plus million baby boomers in this country who are living in their 11th hour. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the idea of an 11th hour harvest came to mind. I was also aware that as the, the evangelical church is getting smaller and smaller, it's also getting older and older. Uh, there are lots of aging congregations in our country today. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the baby boomer demographic is often a leading demographic within a given congregation. Well, it's the largest ever to hit this country, right? It, yes, it is. So, you know, when you put those two things together, what I realized is that part of revitalization might be mobilizing the boomers that are in the church that want to finish well, uh, mobilize them, equip them, train them, empower them, send them into the community to reach boomers in the community 
that, like my wife's cousin, have more or less ignored matters of faith until this 11th hour. Mm. So just to be clear, um, you know, the the cry that I hear from the church all the time now is we've got to figure out how to reach Gen X, millennials, and whoever comes next. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. Uh, I don't for a minute suggest that we should abandon any initiatives along those lines. Uh, but I am aware that the present of the church uh, includes a lot of baby boomers that want to serve God well while they're still here and, and have an opportunity. And there are a lot of baby boomers in the 11th hour out in the community that need the love of Christ. So we have, we have taken all of the things that we know how to do, which is design curriculum and training and consultation. And we have directed it toward boomer mobilization. We call it boom, B O O M boomers out on mission. So that's kind of a subset. Like <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of a subset of what we do these days. Well, one of your leaders uh, is is here in Phoenix, good friend of mine, David Zook. Yes. Yeah. Yes, David brings a lot of uh, experience, a know how, and energy and heart uh, to the Go Center, and I'm uh, I'm very grateful that he's he's part of our team now. So um, we've got about another uh, four minutes or so. Uh, this is really an important topic. I mean, and you're right about the, you know, the hair color in churches today is getting, well, kind of gray and white and silver. Yes, it is. Just to be kind. I'm not going to talk about, I include, I include myself in that conversation, by the way, in my mid seventies. So, um, you're amazing for a couple things. And I, I think if you look back into your music, era uh the music of the 60s and 70s our generation seems to cling on to right yes in a big way yes <laughs> concerts everybody's coming back to do concerts again right and you know a lot of places when you go around town like into a restaurant or wherever you know they're playing boomer music <laughs> on the soundtrack yeah so i think i think that if that had the a in somewhat a, a, with what you're doing that can be turned into a very positive, strong impact into the churches today. Not, well, one of the, the things music that I'm talking about, but the people themselves. Yes. Well, you know, part part of uh, the boomer experience, those of us boomers who have been in the church for a while, uh, you know, we were well, one of the ways I like to say this, it, it works out quite well with the numbers. Back in the 70s, I was in my 20s. And now that we're in the 20s, I'm in my 70s. <laughs> uh, but, you know, back in that I'm day. I'm right there with you, buddy. Yeah. You know, back in the, the 70s, 80s, uh, that was when uh, a lot of us as boomers were getting more and more serious about our faith. You know, we had yeah. reached adulthood. We were getting more serious. And uh, the soundtrack of our worship experience was the praise music. Of the 70s yes, and 80s, yes. which I now call retro praise. Yeah. So we actually factor in that particular style of music into uh, boomer training events that we are offering these days. Well, you go back to uh, Rich Mullins and, and some, some of the pioneers of uh, Christian 
music, uh, contemporary Christian music, right? Yes, you know, in those days, the contemporary Christian music was a recently coined phrase. And the first radio stations, the first record companies, uh, you know, Maranatha, Vineyard, Mm -hmm. all of those things were in their infancy in those days. And for, uh, you know, to tie that in biblically, there's a sense in my mind that that's part of the first love that a lot of us as boomers had. You know, when I look at the book of Revelation, uh, Jesus sort of chastises the church for getting away from its first love. And that's a, just a bit of an expression of uh, the first love for a lot of us in our age group. Yeah. Ken, we're in our last couple of minutes here. And um, importantly, I want to ask if our listeners want to contact you and your ministries, how do they do that? Well, the simple thing is uh, uh, we have a website, gocenter.works. Uh and, uh, you know, that all the contact information is listed there. Uh, I can personally be reached uh, via email at kenpretty.com at gmail.com. Now, I realize the double dot com. Way to do it. <laughs> it's a peculiar way, but, but, but first of all, it. well, Ken Pretty uh, was already taken. Okay. <laughs> Strange as that might be, but I have a, uh, you mentioned Leadertown. Uh, I have a website at KenPretty.com that talks a little bit about the, what Leadertown is about. So folks can take a look at that if they like. Okay. Ken, we're out of town, uh, out of time with Leadertown. <laughs> um, but gosh, it's so good to, to meet you and, and, uh, I've heard so much about you through my friend David, and and I'm so glad we could get you on the Rescuer Show. And Ken, by the way, you are a rescuer, brother. God's blessings on you, and thank you for being on the Rescuers today. Thanks, Art. God bless. Rescuers, Thursdays at 5.30 Arizona time on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ AM. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.